It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. from the Australia via the Zoom, Nicole Halton from Inspired EC. How you doing, Nicole? I'm great. How are you doing? I am I am delightful. This is our second episode of the evening. We're we're kind of kind of settling into the uh, conversation. We just uh, ranted and raved about all <laughs> kinds of stuff in the last episode. Uh, this one, you uh, you recently put up a blog post at the Inspired EC website about why do children ask so many questions? And uh, as we do sometimes, we like to like to uh, add a a conversation about some of these posts you do. So uh, so where do you want to where do you want to jump in and the and the question? conversation so I think the first part of that and the first thing I kind of mentioned in the blog post was something that I'd seen I don't know years ago some sort of meme that I'd found somewhere and it said you know that the average four-year-old asks 437 questions in a day and like everyone laughs about that and goes oh that's so true but I wonder if that is actually true like have they really measured that and so then I did actually find a little bit of I loosely say research it's in a book um and it's from the author of a book called A More Beautiful Question who says that children ask around 40,000 questions between the ages of two and five years um but then over the next few years as children start school um the number of questions they ask declines and I find that like a little bit sad. Well, did did it say why that that they they declined? Is it just because they they know the answers to everything yet? They, they, there's only forty thousand things they want to know. <laughs> well, I don't know, and I actually did say that in the podcast, like uh, in the blog post. I wonder if it's that you know, do they really know everything now, and I don't need to ask anymore, or is it that their questions sometimes go unheard? And particularly in an environment like school um, where, you know, where they go from early childhood where, like here in Australia, there's a higher, much higher number of educators per child than there is in the school system. So they move into formal schooling and there's often only one teacher and, you know, 20 to 30 children and all of a sudden it's much harder to get someone to answer your questions. Whereas I think when you're in early childhood, there's, you know, like you tend to have more FaceTime with children. So I think I worry that that's, there is no, in in what I read, there was no kind of link to any real reason why that happens. But for me, that seems like a really obvious um, 
kind of connection that children start school and then the number of questions they ask drops dramatically and I think that's really sad I I I I kind of agree with that because I it's trying to think back I mean it's a long long time ago when I was a when I was a student but I I've always been fairly curious and had a fair number of questions about all kinds of things um I mean you can harken back to our my recent questions about beach footprints and barbecue yes. massages um so but I and I remember getting shut down in in like second and third grade and beyond when I had questions and and it was basically your questions aren't the curriculum. Uh, yeah, they're not I, relevant. I, yeah, I've we've got we're, we're doing math now, Jeff. We don't have time for your questions uh, or whatever it was and and so that was that was kind of tough for me and and I guess for a while I just I did just kind of you know instead of asking those questions in in class um I, I started asking different questions on the on the playground like why is that teacher such a bitch um <laughs> uh I mean that that kind of stuff because you know I I think kids they they want this engagement and that's that's one thing one thing a question is it is a hey please engage with me well that's right it's something that requires something in return and it's funny i actually i've noticed this with my son lately he's 12 and sometimes he'll say things and he'll just kind of make a statement and every now and then i don't respond and it's not because I just think, oh, I'm not interested in your kid, but it's like he he didn't ask me a question. He's just made a statement out loud. It didn't even really seem to be directed at me. It was just a statement about something. And he'll say to me, like, he'll say it again a minute or two later. And I'll say, yeah, you just said that, mate. And he's like, yeah, but you didn't respond. I said, oh, well, it wasn't a question. He's like, yeah, I know, but I still want a response. And I'm like, I find that really interesting that, you know, it's like maybe the questions dwindle, but as they get older, it's like, I have an opinion about things and I want to share that and express uh -huh. it. And then I want you to respond and I want to kind of have that back and forth still. It's, it is still about that connection and that interaction. Yeah. And I remember being, being about his age, you know, what was it? Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade in that time frame. And I think a lot of my, my questions that, that kind of got shut down in class turned into into snarkiness and yeah. uh, inappropriate comments and all those kind of things in in and out of class but but plenty of times yeah. in class um because there was still that that uh that um quest for for attention and engagement but but also I, I think they were they were kind of that that was kind of mini experiments because I mean questions are are also they're a way of gathering information and and since the questions got shut down I was looking for other ways to gather information and that was if I say this or do this how how are they going to respond to that and so I don't think yeah. it was maybe as as I I don't think I could would have articulated it that way when I was when I was 13 years old but I, I think looking back on it that's probably totally what it was and I think that's you know what we even see with really young children you know even sort of 
toddlers and preschoolers who ask the why question all the time and you know we get really frustrated with that but why but why and half of it I think is a genuine wanting to know how something works or it's that curiosity that we want children to have it's like it's such a strange thing we want we always say we want children to have curiosity and then when they ask lots of questions it's like oh my gosh just accept that it just is you know like there's that level of frustration but I also think the other half of it, you know, so there's that kind of curiosity side of it, but that the other half of it is that engagement and that connection. And, you know, I think when children have really strong connections, they have opportunities to, you know, engage in meaningful conversation with people. And there's less of that, you know, the pestery questions that I think feel like, why is this child asking 476 questions today? because they've actually had it, you know, they've had that interaction. And I think, you know, they will start to seek it like you did, you know, they'll seek it in different ways. And they're often the ones then that then it's that vicious cycle because then they get in trouble because, you know, they've sought out the attention in an inappropriate way. They've, you know, been disruptive or whatever. And so, yeah, I think it's a really tricky situation, but we need to give children the opportunity to ask those questions it made me think, though, like when you said about you know, that example of, you know, we're doing math right now, we don't have time for your question about blah. I wonder sometimes whether some teachers or adults, you know, parents tend to do it as well, think that children are deliberately trying to, so, you know, it's math time, you're trying to get out of math and so you'll ask a random question about, you know, why is, you know, the sky blue or whatever mm-hmm. and they'll kind of, there's that assumption that, oh, this child's just deliberately trying to, um, you know, upend things, but it's actually not. It's just something that's popped into your brain. And it's like once something pops into your brain, it's hard sometimes to switch that off. You know, and even as an adult, I find that hard sometimes. If I get a curiosity about something, it's like, I think I'll just jump online and search what that is. And it's like I have 45 other things I should be doing right now, but I actually Mm want to know why this is the way it is. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it can totally be that. And and that happens all the time. I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I'm I'm a grown ass adult. I'm 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 in college. I'm I'm possibly gonna be a teacher someday. And I'm in a science class. Um learning apparently how to teach science to elementary school kids. And this is what I'm in. And and the professor who was a um, he, I mean, he was a nice guy. I, I knew him later when I was no longer a student of his and, and I, I felt fondly about him. Um, he was, he was a shit teacher. Um, <laughs> and, and in the middle of one of his lectures, I, I asked a question and it was, uh, I guess a little bit off topic because, um, he, his response was, I, I wasn't smart enough to, to know that yet. Um, and I, and I mean, my thought was, well, I came up with a question. Um, so, and, and that, that was it. That was his response. And then he went on with his, wow. on with his less, less lecture. And, and then I, 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 I didn't go back to his class. Um, because, because sometimes there are things we want to know and, and we want to know now. And if we're, if, if we're with somebody who, who apparently has the knowledge and this dude did, cause he was a, he was a smart yeah. dude. Um, and they don't want to share that knowledge with us. Well, what's our purpose here? But then I think yeah. the other piece of it is sometimes those questions are exactly meant to derail things. Yeah. 
And, and I think that's probably valuable information because if, if you're with a group of three or four year olds and they're asking you questions that you think are derailing things, maybe the thing you're focusing on isn't what they, isn't the they care about. And, yeah. and, and so maybe what we could do is we could use those, those questions. We could not only answer the questions, but we could use those questions as information about what the curriculum needs to be or what the environment needs to be like or what that one particular individual human being needs in that moment. Well, and I think that's that there is the perfect example of why I think those questions dwindle as children move into sort of school age, formal schooling, is because, you know, and I know here in Australia, the vast majority, not all, but the vast majority of early childhood programs here are play-based, uh, like you know, the children basically determine what's happening here. There's not a lot of that direct instruction. Sit down. Today we're learning A is for ant or, you know, there's not a lot of that, thankfully. Um, but when you go into school, there is. And mm-hmm. you've got so much more of that, right, now it's time for science and then it'll be time for English and then everything's very, I was talking to someone about it yesterday, everything's very compartmentalised, you know. It's like now's the science time. And so if you've got a question that's, math related then we can't ask that question now because now's science time and and if you do then you're derailing what we're doing you're you know getting getting us off track and I think that's where it comes so undone because you know children have those questions and in early childhood we're able to just respond as it is because we're far more flexible I suppose in the way that we interact with children the way we you know, deliver our program. And, you know, if a child's got a question about something, we can easily say, oh, I've got a book on that. How about we go find the book and let's have a look. Let's look it up. And we see it as a potential, you know, as some sort of um, a direction that we might go. Whereas in school, it's like, actually, no, that's something that's going to stop the direction that I'm trying to take us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think along those lines, one thing adults dislike about kids questions is those moments where they they worry about all of the questions because they worry they don't know the answers to all of the questions and so um i i I think you know because like look we won't like to feel powerful and knowledgeable and when a four-year-old asks a question that we don't know the answer to uh kind of a a strike to the adult ego um yeah i don't know yeah and so but and being able to say, I don't know, but let's find out is, yeah. is a really valuable thing because there are, there are a lot of kids that are living in a world where, where the magical computer devices we all walk around with are, are used for very little more than, than consuming entertainment, um, whether yeah. it's cat videos or, or TikTok makeup makeover things or whatever it is people watch now, um, uh, and and so being able to show them that we can use these devices or actual books or or books. or thermometers or or scales or whatever tools it requires to answer questions is is a valuable thing because um, one of the things we want kids to to be able to do when they go out into the world is is access information. Um, 
in access information that they can trust, I guess, to, yes. to find answers to their questions. And and yep. so taking those moments where I don't know and let's find out, I think is a, yeah. is a great way even for even for young kids to to learn things. And and because some of their questions they the the answers they're looking for may not be look, they don't want all the the information that you can find on a specific topic um yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. I think sometimes we overthink and think we need to provide this long winded answer, but actually it's about the exploration of the topic. We, um, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but every weekend we do a uh, trivia, like big quiz. It's got, I don't know, 90 questions or something. And it comes in the newspaper and it's, you know, broken into kind of the easy questions, the not so easy questions and the really hard questions. And we do it as a family, like with um, my mom and dad and my kids get involved and my husband reluctantly joins in sometimes. Um, we tend to go to him for like golf questions and uh, <laughs> elements and just some really left of field stuff. But Every week we do this quiz and there's always questions we can't answer. Half the time we're lucky if we can get a pass. So, you know, a pass mark is like 90 out of 180. That's how it ends up getting scored. And we're like, if we could get to 90, that'd be great. Sometimes we get 60, sometimes we get 70. <laughs> but the whole process is actually really good for like encouraging that curiosity and that questioning and it leads to more conversation and more questions and more you know and someone surely at the end will say you know once we've gone through the answers and whatever someone will go, that doesn't sound right I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up and so then mm -hmm. that's it we're off on a research tangent and whatever and I think that sort of experience you know even though it's very different to what we're doing like in a classroom but I think that sort of experience is so valuable for keeping your brain going and, you know, keeping that curiosity and then modelling that curiosity. You know, my kids have seen us doing this quiz now for years and the two littlest ones have only just started joining in, you know, mm -hmm. probably this year and last year. And whereas my son is all over it, you know, he's he thinks he's the quiz master. Um, <laughs> but it's that, that role modelling of, you know, here's how we be curious about things and it's okay yeah. to ask questions and it's okay to not know the answer and but we want to want to know the answer yeah yeah and and i think the other benefit is having that reinforced for them not knowing the answer is okay is is a great bit of information for little humans to have because the research seems to be pretty clear that by you know, second, third, fourth grade, there are a lot of kids who are reluctant to participate and answer questions in class because they're terrified of being wrong. Yeah, and, that's that emotional so, risk taking, you yeah. know, like there's, and I mean, there's a strong link to children who take risks outdoors being more likely to then take risk indoors, which I always yeah. find really fascinating. But that taking risk of what if I'm wrong? you know, what if I don't know the answer, but I've just told everybody, I think it's this, you know, I think that's so important that we have that, that, you know, you, ha you have that, or that you don't lose that. I'm okay with being wrong. You know, it's okay if yeah. I didn't get the answer right. You know, it's all part of that learning. And, you know, so many, as I say, so many of our quiz questions, we get wrong and then we'll go, oh, it's that. Oh, that's, I had uh -huh. no idea about that. Or, you know, it sparks that little bit of conversation or it, sometimes it sparks an argument when we can't agree on an answer. Too, sure. so. 
So, I, I mean, I grew up thinking adults knew everything. Not just that adults were smart, but I thought to be an adult, you got to, you got to, I mean, the adults are the ones that are making the world go round. And, and so adults know everything. And, and then I get to be one. And it's like, hang on. I, I, I'm I'm fascinated about how how little real knowledge we have about so many things, my, myself included. Um, yeah. That that I'm I'm terrified about everything now because nobody knows anything about anything. It seems, um, and, and so I guess having those having those blinders pulled off was was terrifying. And and, and uh, did you feel like maybe I haven't actually graduated? Maybe I'm not an adult yet because I still don't know everything. <laughs> yeah, it, I, my my whole thought is if if those chuckleheads are the ones that prepared me for the world. And they don't know anything. How I a lost cause as well. I mean, yeah. so it's been, <laughs> it's been miserable. It's been. I was I was listening to uh, uh, an audiobook the other day that got me got me pissed off again at at all of my elementary and high school history teachers because of of the uh, of their their lack of knowledge about the world. Uh, but that's probably another podcast. When when I'll start a, <laughs> I'll start a history podcast at some point. So. Um, what else do we need to know about questions? How how do we, how do I, I mean, sometimes they do get annoying. How do we navigate that? I mean, because we want to be well, supportive, that, but sometimes it's hard. I've, it depends on the age of the children. I've actually been in rooms before where like children have been able to write their questions up on like a whiteboard or something. Sure. And if they can't write, they can tell an adult. And so you can write it down. I think for a lot of children, it's just knowing that their question has been heard. It's not always that it's been answered, but yeah. knowing that it's out there and that other people know that you've got that question and, you know, there's that recognition of it. So I think for times when it's getting overwhelming with the questions, that can be a really good strategy for making sure that we're actually not just fobbing children off because I don't mean let's face it we get overwhelmed with it because you know we're tired and we've got other things to do and you know you've you have answered so many questions today that the thought of you know actually putting together a sentence and you know answering another question is just too much sometimes I answer my kids questions with mm, and they're like what does that mean is that yes no and I'm like I actually don't no, it's like I just I struggle with the brain capacity at the end of the day to just formulate a real thought. And sure. but I've gotten into the habit of saying, can you come back to me about that? You know, come back to me about it, because I'm like, I will forget. But and I don't have the answer right now and I don't have the brain capacity and I'm washing the dishes or, you know, whatever I'm doing. But I don't want them to also feel like your question's not worth asking. It's like your question's yeah. important. I, I love that idea of having some place in the room to to record those things because I I mean the reality is if you got if you've got a dozen kids running around and a couple adults and and lunch yeah. lunches all I, I mean you can't you can't pause and answer all I mean it'd be great if you could but you and can't, not with the not with the respect that they that sure. their question deserves either you yeah. might be able to kind of go oh yeah it's because of this oh yeah it's because but if you want to have that genuine you know, interaction, that back and forth, that thoughtfulness, that, you know, all those sort of things, then that takes time. Yeah, it's like if and, we're going to do that, then we need time. How do we make time? 
and and so I'm 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 not a big fan of the the whole group circle timey thing, but I could imagine some situation where where those cl- those questions got recorded throughout the day, and then and then once a week during some sort of voluntary group time, the those who are interested, you could sit down and you could talk about those questions together. Um, yeah, exactly, and and you get different answers then too, rather sure. than just. It's not just the adult that has to provide the answer or maybe we can have a discussion about that concept and then we do some research together or, you know, whatever. But it's that collaborative thing because sometimes you've got, I might not know the answer, but another child in the room might actually know the answer to that because it's relevant for them or, you know, like it starts drawing on that wealth of knowledge that children have too. I've I've also just had a, a oh man, it's a brilliant idea. Look, I I mean maybe the barbecue better than the spa. barbecue day spa. I mean, it might be. So here, listeners, <laughs> if you got that kid that's always asking the questions, you don't have time for it. Make use of the uh, child care bar and girl voicemail two two eight. 363-6737, dial up the number, have the kid leave the question. Uh, we'll We'll be happy to try to answer some of those questions in the podcast. I think it would be delightful. Just our little, our little service out there. I think it'd be fun. Um, I, I, I hope somebody does that because that, that, that might actually be fun. Um, so what about, um, since we're talking about questions, what about all of the, the sometimes crappy, useless, we already know the answer to them questions adults are always asking kids. Oh my gosh. Like the, oh, what color is that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I mean, unless you're colorblind or, you or don't I, need guess, to I guess, or, I guess, or I guess blind. I mean, and I guess if yeah, you well, were, but if then you, were you blind, don't even you might really not, want to know. Yeah. It, it, I mean, you might want to, but how can you describe purple to somebody? You? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I mean, that's, again, that's another podcast that we're not smart enough to be on. Uh, okay. But, but those, yeah, those questions, what color is that? What number is that? Um, can you find your name? Uh, I mean, so, so much of that stuff is, I mean, it's really, you're really trying to give them a test. It's filler. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and, filler. And I, I think, a lot of early learning people are are trained up to think that's that's the kind of questions you should be asking kids, but I I, I think we could we could evolve away from that into into deeper, more more thoughtful, more situationally aware questions that yes. that kids might be actually more interested in answering. Yes. Well, actually, the um, that book that I mentioned before about uh, what was it called? A more beautiful, a more beautiful question. question? Uh-huh. So there's another book that I read earlier this year um, called This One Wild and Precious Life, and in that the author talks about the about us as human beings asking a more beautiful question. And she said, you know, we often find ourselves, you know, just day by day saying, hi, how are you? You know, how are you going? And then the answer is good, thanks. How are you? You know, it's all the same, same, same. And she said in, I don't know, I want to say like Croatia maybe, but it was part of Europe. Um, She said it was more common practice for the question and obviously in a different language, but the question was, how was your heart? And that was kind of the way of greeting. That's what it loosely translated to, how is your heart? And she said, isn't that a more beautiful question, you know, to ask someone? It's a deeper, more thoughtful, and it actually prompts you to think, you know, like, oh, 
I wonder, you know, like it's just that instead of that flippant question, it's like, what's the better question that we can ask? And, you know, I think we can do that with children, you know, instead of asking, you know, what color is that? Like, what's the better question that you could ask? You know, if you need to ask a question at all, like what is the better question and what's your intention behind asking a question? Is it to quiz children or is it to actually learn more about them or learn more about their you know, creative process or what's, what's your intention behind even asking a question? I think we ask way too many. Yeah. I mean, somebody asked me how my heart is. I get, I mean, I can, I can, I can look at my Fitbit. I can tell them my resting yeah. heart rate and I mean, I can give them, I can it's give them actual information. Bad. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you so. can, I've got data to back this up <laughs> yeah, right <exactly>. now. <laughs> yeah. Wait, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> yeah. It's not so good, Yeah, but you yeah. do data to back it up. But yeah, I just like that concept of asking, you know, a more beautiful question, something that's a little bit deeper and actually shows that, you know, because so many of those questions that we ask as adults every day are kind of nothing questions. It's, it's just surface surface level stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it. Look, I I think if we could go through our days with children, asking questions like, uh, "What do you What do you need right now?" Or, yes. "How are you feeling?" Or 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 those kind of things instead of yeah. what color is that thing that you already know what's is making blue. you happy today what's making yeah. you happy today yeah well like yeah whatever like it's just something that's a little bit more and it encourages children to think about those things for themselves sure you know like to actually start thinking about that stuff rather than so that hopefully you get less of the flippant response of yeah i'm fine how are you you know like you get less of that because we start to teach children to ask deeper more meaningful questions and to have deeper more meaningful conversation yeah hey nicole i got a question okay what's uh what's your website oh it's inspiredec.com and there's the little blog tab there you can find that blog post that we were just talking about and you can find all other sorts of cool stuff as well and i will probably put the link to this article that nicole wrote in the show notes and uh, if you need more Nicole, you go to inspiredec.com. You got all kinds of stuff going on there. You got you got books, you got online trainings, you got all kinds of stuff happening. So uh, lots of stuff it's, happening. Uh, it's delightful. Um, listeners, got a question for you. You gonna you gonna come back for the next episode? I I got other questions. I guess I'll wrap I think it up. I said Hope yes. to see you. I hope to hope to hope to see you hope to see you on that episode, listeners. This is like episode nine hundred and something. Um, so, uh, so, so thanks for thanks for listening. You need to hey, you want to go back and listen to the first six hundred or so episodes that uh, don't show up in your on your player? Go to inspiredec.com and 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 find them there. I don't know. What, no, don't the, the go links. there. Oh no, don't go. You know, what? Yeah, there's <laughs> not a link to the podcast there. Well, there probably oh, is there. Oh, oh but I don't, boom! No, I'm that was sure just there a, is. that was a test. That was a test that you well, no. a test. well, there is, but I'm just not sure if it'll take you to the right place. You get you go to actually there's a link to the show notes for the archives. Just click on the show notes, <laughs> click on the archives, and it'll go to all the episodes. They all live on the Playvolution HQ site, which you can get to from the inspired EC site. Listeners, yeah. thanks for listening. Uh use use that voicemail with those kids' questions. I love Please that. Please do. Back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Tip your weight, staff.
This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.